0: <laughs> and laughs theater of the mind The best love programs from radio's Golden Age only on Zuma radio. Now here is your master storyteller Frank Proctor.
1: Well thank you and welcome to the show. Off to the land of sci-fi as we hear another tale from the files of X minus 1. Although there were loads of other sci-fi programs, X-Minus-One was and still is considered one of the top five programs, along with The Inner Sanctum and Lights Out. Tonight we hear about a visit to a planet on the edge of the galaxy that circles a group of six suns. There hasn't been a sunset for the last 2,049 years until now. The script was written by Isaac Asimov, who was an American writer and professor of biochemistry at Boston University. He was also known for his works of science fiction and popular science. A prolific writer, he wrote or edited more than 500 books. Asimov wrote hard science fiction, Along with Robert A. Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke, Asimov was considered one of the big three science fiction writers during his lifetime. He also wrote over 380 short stories, including the social science fiction novelette Nightfall, which in 1964 was voted the best short science fiction story of all time by the science fiction writers of America. And this is the story we hear tonight.
2: (laughs) Night Story, Nightfall, by Isaac Asimov.
4: Ralph Waldo Emerson speculated, if the stars should appear one night in a thousand years, how would man believe and adore and perceive for many generations the remembrance of the city of God? This was philosophically interesting. But on the edge of the galaxy, a planet swings on its orbit in a cluster of six suns. These suns hang in the sky above. Never less than two shine down through the entire 23.8 hours of the planet's day. The yellow light has burned down on the planet continuously, into the past till the mind of man runneth not to the contrary." Theramon was a reporter for the Sarrow City Chronicle. He covered them all, from the night police beat to politics to the sports pages, and the city editor wanted him to cover the biggest story of the year, perhaps of all time. It was an interview, a particularly difficult interview. But then, since his first days as a cub, Theremin had specialized in difficult interviews. It cost him bruises, black eyes, and broken bones, but it had gotten him an ample supply of coolness and self-confidence. He didn't expect violence, though, from an astronomer. You're from that newspaper? Well, you've got a lot of gall coming here. Now, look, Dr. Aton, it's only a
5: job. I've read your paper. You've been writing this observatory for two months now. You've attacked me personally.
6: I have nothing to say to you. Well, this is your chance to get your side into the paper. Look, Dr. Aton, I'll give it to you straight. Two months ago, the observatory issued a press statement that the world was coming to an end. Now, that's the same story the cult of the Book of Revelations had been preaching. Now, when a scientist backs that up, it's new. Our conclusions
5: have nothing to do with the cult. The cult is full of superstition and mysticism. We're scientists. You've got
6: the people pretty angry. It doesn't matter. If I can't get the story from you, I'll have to go somewhere else. Go ahead. The paper can be pretty rough on someone who doesn't cooperate, Dr.
5: Eitan. Young man, if you're not out of the observatory, within five minutes I shall call the police. Now get out. <laughs>
4: The reporter walks down the long hall from the observatory. The light filters through the high, clear-story windows. The yellow light of Gamma, the brightest of the six suns in the planet's sky. Beta is almost at zenith. Its red light floods the landscape to an unusual orange. The planet sun, Alpha, is at the Antipodes. But now, as Gamma sinks below the horizon, the red dwarf sun, Beta, is alone, grimly alone. It's a short drive from the observatory to Saro City, and the red light glares from the highway. The Temple of the Cult stands hewn from the solid rock of the Dormite Mountains outside the city, and in the inner courtyard stands Sor, the priest of the cult. Woe to the unbelievers!
7: Their souls will rot! With the absence of light. Tell me, your reverence,
5: what will happen? What are you waiting for
7: here? The day. The day of the coming. It is written in the book of Revelations. It came to pass the sun beta was alone in the sky... ...and the world was shrunken and cold. And men did assemble in the public squares and highways. Their minds were troubled... ...and their speech confused. But the souls of men awaited the coming of the stars... And the lip of the cave of darkness passed the edge of beta, and loud were the cries of men, and there was no light on the surface of the world. And in this blackness, there appeared the stars in countless numbers, and in that moment, the souls of men departed from them, and their abandoned bodies became even as beasts. From the stars then reached down the heaven's flame, and where it touched... The cities of the world flame to destruction, so that of man and all the works of man not remained. So it is written.
6: Dr. Sharon, you're the only scientist I could find in the city. Where is everybody? In the hideout. The hideout? Yes, but the place bored me. I wanted to be out here where things are getting hot. I want to see the stars the cultists are talking about. Besides, they don't want me at the hideout. I'm too scrawny to survive. What is the hideout? Well, we professors have managed to convince a few people that our prophecy of doom is valid. We've got about 3,000 people. They're supposed to hide where the darkness and the stars can't get at them. We hope they'll survive and leave the records. Survive? Survive what? Well, how true it is, I can't say. But the, the cultists say that every 2,050 years, all the suns disappear. And there is a total darkness, and then they say things called stars appear. Of course, men go mad. They, they mix all this up with a lot of religio-mystic notions. Uh, but that's the central idea. But that's impossible, isn't it? I mean, there are always at least two suns in the sky. Most of the time, four or five. There aren't now. Only beta. Beta. You mean that there is going to be worldwide darkness tomorrow, that all mankind will go violently insane? What's behind that? Well, for one thing, the history of civilization of the world. We have located a series of cycles of civilizations comparable to our own, all of which, without exception, were destroyed by fire at the very height of their culture. But is there any scientific theory behind this which would explain it? Well, the University Observatory finished their calculations two months ago. And tomorrow there will be an eclipse of beta so that the planet will become dark. That eclipse comes every 2,049 years. Darkness. And maybe those mysterious stars that no man has seen. And then madness. And the end of civilization. And you expect to live through this at the hideout? They plan to photograph the eclipse and leave the records. And then the rest of mankind will know what to expect. What is there in darkness to drive men mad? Have you ever experienced darkness, young man? Well, no, but I know what it is. It's just no light. Oh. Uh, Draw the curtain. Why, what for? If we had four or five suns out there, we might want to cut the light down for comfort. But with only ah. That's the point. Just draw the curtain and then come here and sit down. All right. I can't see you. Feel your way. But I can't see you. I can't see anything. Do you like it? Oh, it's awful. The walls seem... They seem to be closing in on me. I... I, keep wanting to push them away. All right, all right. Draw the curtain back again. Oh, the light, the light. Uh, Do you have a drink? Right here. Now, that was just a dark room. Yes, but it wasn't really so bad. You're afraid? Just darkness could do that. This isn't just a metaphysical theory, young man. It's promulgated from observed data. Well, come with me. Where? The locked wall down the corridor. Um, were you at the Saro City Centennial Exposition two years ago? I was overseas on assignment. Well, you remember hearing about the tunnel of mystery that broke all records in the amusement area? Oh, yes. Wasn't there some fuss about that? The uh, anti-vice society had it shut down? Oh, it was shut down, all right. But the Blue Noses had nothing to do with it. That tunnel was nothing but a mile-long passage through darkness. You rode in a little car, and it took 15 minutes to get through. (laughs) Oh, It was very popular while it lasted. Popular? Well, there's a there's a fascination to be frightened when it's part of a game. Absence of light is one of the instinctive human fears. People came out of that 15 minutes of darkness shaking and half dead with fear. Well, weren't there some deaths? Oh, bad hearts, but that wasn't the big danger. Now, uh... Which key is this? Ah. Where are we going? You'll see. No, the uh, heart attacks were actually good for business, but uh, there was something else. Here, I'll show you. I, uh, I want you to see somebody. Latimer. Latimer. Go go away. Latimer, I want you to meet somebody. This is Mr. Theremon. No. No, go away. Hello?
7: He's pushing me. Make him stop pushing me. Go away. I'm not touching him. What's wrong?
6: Latimer is afraid. Aren't you? The walls. They're falling in on me. The walls. I've got to get out. I've got to get out. Let me out. You can't go out, Latimer. It's all right. I've got to get out. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. out. At at sleeping period, we have to give him a shot of morphine. (laughs) Otherwise, he'd bat his brains against the wall. What's wrong with him? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing but 15 minutes in the darkness of the tunnel of mystery. Oh, that's impossible. One person out of 10 came out of the tunnel that way. That's why we had it shut down. But why should darkness do that? It's obvious men cannot exist without light. Longer periods of darkness would obviously be fatal. The scientific theory is that the consciousness of light is necessary for mental activity. Please, doctor,
5: let me outside.
6: Let me out, please. I I can't breathe. They're pushing me. They're
5: always pushing me. I can't stand here.
6: Well, there you are, Ferriman. That's what 15 minutes of darkness will do. Man just wasn't built to operate without light. There are always at least two suns in the sky. Most of the time, more. Just 15 minutes of darkness. Now, look out of that window. Imagine darkness everywhere. No light as far as you can see. Black. Everything black. And uh, stars, whatever they are, can you conceive it? No, your mind wasn't built with that conception. When the real thing comes, you will go mad. Completely and permanently. There is no question of it. Tomorrow, there won't be a city left standing in the world. Why should the cities be destroyed? (laughs) If you were in darkness, what would you want more than anything else? What would it be that every instinct would call for? Light. And how would you get light? I don't know. You'd burn something. They've got to have light. They've got to burn something. And every city in the world will go up in flames. Well, uh, shall we go back to my office, Mr. Thererman, and uh,
4: have another drink? through the skies the red sun beta shines alone the wind howls across the city it is cold colder than man can remember and as the hour approaches the reporter goes out and speaks to the man in the street excuse me where are you going now home for supper how about uh, well
8: i mean what are you going to do tonight You mean about this star stuff? Look, I'll tell you, mister. I got nothing against religion, see? But it don't stand a reason that the end of the world is going to come boom like that. It just don't stand a reason. Have you read what the scientists say? I don't read stuff like that. Only the headlines. Well, how about the cult? Well, now, like I say, I've got nothing against religion. You don't believe them either? They've always been shouting about doom and sin. Listen, when you've been around as long as I have, you get to know the score. It's all right to preach Judgment Day is coming and all that, but just the same, I'm putting money in the bank. How about darkness? About what? How would you feel if there were no light? (laughs) you crazy. How could there be no light? Well, suppose all the suns went down at once. Suppose everything was black. That's crazy. What's the use of supposing something like that? It couldn't happen. It's crazy.
6: That's all. Thank you.
8: Sure, sure. Oh, look, Mr. Remember, pallet with two L's.
4: All this talk of scientific explanation. It's sinful, that's what it is. Are you a member of the cult, sir? Sure I am. Been a member since I was a boy. My Daddy was a member, too. I, I, I've seen the books. It's all written down in the books. Don't you
5: believe the scientist's
4: explanation? Don't need it going to save my immortal soul. I'm going to stay on the mountaintop in a white robe while the stars carry him away to glory. Blessed be the stars. Amen. What are the stars? The glory. the, the breath of the heavens. The spirit of the ultimate. That's what they are. The observatory has announced that it intends to take pictures of the stars. Blasphemy. I sold my house. I gave all my money to the poor. Won't need it anymore. I'm going to heaven with the stars. Glory, glory going with the stars. The reporter checks the stock exchange, the stores, business at a standstill. Doesn't pay to buy anything today, not if the world is going to end tomorrow. There are predictions of economic collapse in the financial section, layoffs at the factories on the edge of the city. And through the streets, the people will mill and turn, unsure, crying in fear or shouting with bravado. The story isn't here in the city. And so as the hour approaches, the reporter goes again to the observatory, high in the I uh, Look, Dr. Eton,
6: if you are right, if the world is going to be destroyed, what is the difference if I stay
5: here and observe and take notes? Nothing, I suppose. You will be in the way. We have work to do. If
6: I stay out of the way. Hello, hello. Ooh, this place is like a morgue. It's freezing outside. The wind is enough to hang icicles on your nose. Beta doesn't seem to give any heat at all, the distance it is. Why aren't you in the hideout, Sharon? Me? <laughs> I'm part of the race that isn't worth perpetuating. Uh, who's got a bottle? We know alcohol today. It'll be too easy to get my men drunk. I can't afford to tempt them. All
5: right, Thurman, you can stay. The time we took our positions... The observatory dome is up these stairs. After you. Ah! What is that? Up in the dome, quick. What is it? It's the plates. The photographic plates are all smashed. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> the Countess is going for the telescope. After him. All right, I've got him. Let go. No. Let go must be destroyed. It must be. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> he didn't harm anything. Let him up. That's the high priest. I was talking to him yesterday. All right. What do you want? Nothing that you would give me of your own free will. I made a bargain with the cult to give me certain data that you had. In return, I promised to prove the essential truth of the creed. There was no need to prove that. It stands proven by the Book of Revelations. I offered scientific backing for you believers. You made of the darkness and the stars a natural phenomenon and removed all its real significance. That was blasphemy. The facts exist. Your facts are a fraud and a delusion. How do you know? I know. I suppose you think in trying to warn the world against the menace of madness, we are placing souls in jeopardy, huh? Well, we haven't succeeded. If that makes you feel better.
7: Your devilish instruments must be destroyed. We obey the will of the stars. Someone
5: call
6: the police in Cerro City. There's no time for that. Uh, Let me handle this. The eclipse is only a few minutes away. Look, you... Will you give your word of honor to cause no trouble? I will not. Listen. Just as soon as the eclipse starts, we're going to take you and put you in a closet with the door closed, and you will stay there. Then you won't see the darkness, and you won't see the stars. And that means the loss of your immortal soul, according to the cult. All right. Will you give your word of honor? You have it. You will all be damned for your deeds of today. Look!
5: Look at Beta! The eclipse has started. You can see the blackness against Peter. Get busy on those cameras. Check the exposures very carefully.
6: Sir. You're shaking, Mr. Thereman. Yes, I don't feel very well. You're not losing your nerve. No, no, I'm 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 just not used to it. You could probably make the hideout. I have been assigned to cover a story. I intend to cover it. Oh, professional honor? Yes. Yes.
5: Allah so fanetrodruck. What is that?
6: The cultist. That's the book of revelations. I don't understand it. He is chanting some old cycle language. The book of revelations was originally written in it. There are probably two million people in Sarah City who are trying to join the cult. One gigantic revival. How do the cultists manage to keep the book of revelations going from cycle to cycle if everyone goes mad? Who wrote the book? There are some people who don't see the stars, the blind, those who drink themselves into a stupor, and children, to whom the world as a whole is too new and too strange for them to be frightened at stars and darkness. They would have memories, and that, combined with the confused, incoherent babbling of the mad, formed the basis for the Book of Revelations. Oh, the cult will be riding high down there in the city. I I hope they make the most of it. Dr. Sharon, I I just heard from the hideout on the private line. Oh, they're in trouble? They are safe, but the city is is a shambles. You have no idea. Well, it'll get worse. What are you shaking about, Dr. Ayton? How do you
5: feel? You don't understand. The cultists are rousing the people to storm the observatory, promising them immediate entrance into grace, promising them salvation... Promising them anything.
6: How long till the total eclipse? An hour. Well, it's a gamble. It will take time to get a mob out here. If the darkness comes first, we're all right. Oh, look at Beta. It's gotten half. Half of it is black. Yes, it's getting darker. An interesting phenomenon. Oh my. My collar is suddenly tight. Are you having any difficulty in breathing? No. No. Why? Difficulty in breathing is one of the first mm. symptoms. We have experimented. I'm, I'm cold. seems to be getting colder. Yes, so we'd better keep our minds on something else. One of the astronomers has a theory about the stars far away to see in the light. He developed a... Fantasy about a planet revolving around one sun. <laughs> it's a mathematical possibility. Of course, there couldn't be any life. Part of the planet would always be dark and without light. Well, it's its obvious. Without light, there can't be any life. It's time for the artificial light. You can't read the instruments. Artificial light? One of the researchers at the university worked it out. Why, it's beautiful. Yellow light. After four hours of red, it's beautiful, light, light.
4: The dome is quiet. The priest in his yellow robe sways slowly as his lips move in the ancient tongue. Over and over, he whispers the invocation to the stars. The technicians hunch over the instruments, and the sky gradually turns a horrible, deep purple-red, and the air grows denser. Dusk, like a palpable entity, enters the room, and the dancing circle of yellow light about the torches etches itself into ever-sharper distinction against the ever-gathering grayness beyond. Outside, Beta is a mere smoldering splendor, taking a last look at the world. The western horizon, in the direction of the city, is lost in darkness. And along the highway to the observatory surges a menacing, shadowy mass. Lob from the city, they're coming. How long till
6: total eclipse? Fifteen minutes. They'll be here in five. We'll hold them off. Come on, Theruman, downstairs. But but there's, there's no light down there. We have to block the door. Come on. I can't... I can't breathe. I can't go down there. Take a torch. We'll take light with us. Come on. Aiton,
5: Aiton, I'm here. Did you bar the door? They won't get in. All right, now everybody. One minute till totality. One minute. Just before totality, I'm changing the plate. That will leave one of you for each camera. You know all about times of exposure. Now, remember, don't try to look for good shots. And if you feel yourself going, get away from the camera. It's
8: Dark. It's getting dark. Sharon.
6: Sharon, where are you? I can't see you, Sharon. I'm right here.
8: Thirty seconds. Ah!
6: Look out, the priest. I can't see
5: him. And the wicked shall perish in the souls of the true believers, shall be transported
7: in glory to the stars.
6: You can see him against the torch. Don't let him get to the telescope. From the
7: stars, they reached down a heavenly flame, and where it touched the cities of the world, flame to utter
5: destruction. Grab him! You shall not Grab blaspheme! Him. The world must be destroyed by the stars! It must be! Let me go! I'll take care of him. The stars, earth, the stars. Five seconds to totality. Four, three, two,
0: one.
4: The sky is black, and through it shine the stars. Thirty thousand minute suns shine down in a soul searing splendor. It is more frightening in its awful indifference. Than the bitter wind that shivers across the horrible cold bleak world.
0: The stars.
4: The stars. The stars. It's dark. It's dark.
6: It's dark. It's dark. It's dark. The walls.
9: The walls are coming in on me. They're coming in.
5: Light. 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 Darkness. Forever. Light. And ever. And ever. Light. And the walls. Light. are breaking in. We did light. not know. We did not light. know.
6: We did not know. Light, 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 light,
4: light, light. On the horizon in the direction of the city, a crimson glow begins growing. A thousand fires strengthen in brightness that is not the glow of the sun. A million fires, as a world mad in the darkness, screams in terror for the light. The night has come again.
2: You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith. ...publishers of astounding science fiction. Tonight by transcription, X-1 has brought you Nightfall by Isaac Asimov. Adapted for radio by Ernest Kenoy. Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes, John Larkin, Santos Ortega, Mercer McLeod, Alan Collins, Bob Hastings, and Roy Fant. Your narrator was Floyd Mack. Fred Collins speaking. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production.
1: Stay tuned for The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now to see what's up with the Nelson family on Theatre of the Mind. Ozzie and Harriet now with House Cleaning. (laughs)
10: His finest silver plate is 1847 Rogers Brothers. From Hollywood, International Silver Company, creators of 1847 Rogers Brothers Silver Plate, presents The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, starring America's favorite young couple, Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. There's something strange going on in the living room of the Nelsons at 1847 Rogers Road There's David, age 12, and Ricky, age 8 On their hands and knees, creeping toward the Davenport Their faces look so serious Must be somebody hiding back there I wonder who it is Maybe it's Nick, the family dog Or, or maybe it's little Will Thornberry from next door Hey, those feet look awful big for... Why, it's Ozzie. Now, what's a full-grown man doing hiding behind a davenport?
11: We got you, I got
10: you! Okay,
12: fellas, okay, you caught me. I surrender.
11: Gee, Pop, you aren't playing right. We're supposed to be the cowboys and you're a bad Indian.
12: Well, I'm doing the best I can.
11: You're supposed
12: to show a little fight. Well, I've been saying bang, bang, but you guys won't fall down.
11: You've been missing us. According to the laws of Fort Nelson, you're entitled to a trial. I vote we shoot him. I vote we shoot him, too.
12: It was hardly worth getting the judge out of bed for.
11: (laughs) Indian, have you any last words?
12: Yeah, me quit.
11: (laughs) You can't quit, Pop.
12: David, this is the third time you've captured me, and it's the third time I've been sentenced to be shot, and I quit.
11: Don't quit now, Pop. Let us capture you once more, like the first time when we tied you up.
12: Well, okay, just once more, though. We Indians have other things to do. This afternoon, I have to pose for a new nickel.
11: You get the last two, Ricky. I'll hide here behind this cactus bush. Bush.
12: Which cactus bush?
11: This one here, with the yellow lampshade on it.
12: You know, this time, I think I'll surprise you guys and show a little fight. I think it's about time the Indian tied up two rather short cowboys...
11: That's what I've been saying, Pop You've been making it too easy You get him from that side, Ricky I'll get him from this side
12: Grab his feet, David Throw the lasso <laughs> No, you don't <laughs> David, get the rope <laughs> ah, A little different this time, isn't it? How do you like
11: this? <laughs> you sure are strong, Pop You can really fight when you want
12: uh, Thanks, boys Now untie me and let me up <laughs>
11: It. Now you can get up, Pop. Yeah. Watch your foot.
12: Oh, holy smokes.
11: You really busted it, Pop. What was that?
12: Uh, nothing, Harriet. Nothing serious. I'll
11: see you later, Pop. Come on, Ricky.
13: Ricky?
12: He's already gone.
13: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ozzy, for goodness sakes, my antique vase.
12: Well, I couldn't help it. I bumped into it accidentally. Besides, the antiques are supposed to look old. Certainly looks much older now.
13: The whole living room looks older. What happened to the scatter rugs?
12: Oh, they're scattered around.
13: (laughs) The place looks like a cyclone hit it. Oh,
12: Harriet, don't be so fussy.
13: I don't mind telling you I'm getting pretty tired of straightening things up around here. The more work I do, the messier the place looks.
12: Suppose it does look a little disorderly now, and then after all, it's a home. People live here.
13: That's no reason for it to be messed up all the time. It isn't...
12: Do you know anybody's home that looks nicer than ours?
13: Yes, I do. Mrs. Richardson's, for one. Her place looks absolutely immaculate all the time.
12: Well, she doesn't have any children to mess the place up. Don't forget, we have two.
13: We have three. Here, pick up your Indian hat, Tonto. (laughs)
9: Hello, Mrs. Nelson.
13: Oh, Mr. Richardson, come in. Thank you. I hope you'll excuse the appearance of this living room. The boys have just finished a game of Cowboys and Indians. Oh,
9: forget it. As a matter of fact, it... <laughs>
13: oh, Mr. Richardson. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Oh, I don't know who could have put that footstool there. Let me help you. up. I hope you didn't hurt yourself. Oh,
9: not, not at all, not at all. Please think nothing of it, Mrs. Nelson. Ah. <sighs> It's been a long time since I've tripped over a footstool.
13: <laughs> I have a chair, won't you?
9: Yeah, Thank you, but I really can't stay. I just stopped by with this issue of good housekeeping. Mrs. Richardson said there was an article in it you wanted to read.
13: Oh, thanks very much, but I could have picked it up. Well, it was right on the way.
9: I have to go to the store and get Mrs. Richardson some scouring powder.
13: Well, I have a can of it she can have.
9: We buy it by the case. <laughs>
13: a wonderful housekeeper. I do envy her so. Your house always looks so immaculate.
9: Yes, it does, doesn't it?
13: What a pleasure it must be to live in a house like that.
9: Yes, Mrs. Richardson enjoys it very much. She used to be a bacteriologist, you know.
13: Oh, please sit down. You can stay for a few minutes, can't you?
9: All right, I
13: will. Oh, oh, my goodness. I guess one of the boys left his pencil box on the chair. I'm so sorry, Mr. Richard. No, no, no,
9: quite all right. <sighs> it's been a long time since I've sat on a pencil box.
13: I wish I'd known you were stopping by. I could have at least given the house a quick going over. Oh,
9: really, Mrs. Nelson, it looks wonderful, very comfortable. It reminds me of our house back home when I was a boy.
13: We have two youngsters, and you know how boys are about keeping things orderly.
9: May I ask you a very direct question, Mrs. Nelson? Of course. Well, um, you've seen my wife at various social affairs. You've played bridge with her. You've seen her at club meetings. Yes. How does she look without a dust cap? (laughs)
3: She looks
13: fine, Mr. Richardson. She doesn't spend that much time cleaning the house, does she?
9: Mrs. Nelson, I love my wife. She's a wonderful woman. We've been married now for ten years. Ten spotless, antiseptic
3: (laughs) years. (laughs) But
9: living in our house is like living in the operating room of a hospital. Would you mind awfully if I smoke my pipe?
13: Oh, of course not. Go right ahead. Oh,
9: thank you. Oh, you're very kind. Been a long time since I've smoked in the house. What a wonderful day. Tripped over a footstool, sat on a pencil box. Now I'm smoking my pipe.
13: Why don't you put your feet up on the hassock? Make a day of it. <laughs>
3: Thank you.
9: Am I keeping you from anything, Mrs. Nelson?
13: Oh, nothing important. I just have to wash the dishes a little later. The sink's full of them.
9: Dirty dishes. <laughs> Could I see them?
13: <laughs> oh, now you're kidding, Mr. Richardson.
6: <laughs> Perhaps a little. But
9: I do mean this, every word of it. Don't ever change anything about this house, Mrs. Nelson. It's perfect. As I walked in the door, something seemed to say, this is a real home. People live here. Happy, comfortable
0: people. Hello,
14: Oz. Oh, hi, Thorny. Oz, you're just the man I've been waiting for. I have a present for you present for me? Yes, sir. I've been cleaning up the yard, and I came across an old boiler, and it's yours. Oh, thank you, Thorny, but I really have no use for an old boiler. Neither have I. Oh, you like it, Ozzy. It's rustic. Makes the water nice and
12: red. Gives you a ruddy complexion. (laughs) I hate to seem unappreciative, Thorny, but I really don't want it. Well, it's a present. You can't give it back. I haven't accepted it. You have so. I carried
14: it over and leaned it against your garage. (laughs) You haven't said thank you, Oz, but
12: I know it's in your heart.
14: And you're welcome.
12: (laughs) (laughs) I bet I can guess what happened at your house. Catherine pushed you outside to clean up the yard. What a ridiculous idea. Well, the same thing at our house. Harriet's on a cleanup campaign, too. She just practically drove me out of the house. Gave me a big lecture about keeping things neat and tidy. Well, as a matter of fact, I think she's right. Uh, you're kidding.
14: No, I'm not, Oz. I really mean it. Just think of all the things a woman has to do around the house. She does the cleaning, the cooking, the shopping, taking care of the kids and the sewing, the mending, the, the laundry. The least we men can do is cooperate. Try to make her job a little easier.
12: Maybe you're right, Thorny. Of course I
14: am. Matter of fact, until you started talking about it, I never realized what a wonderful job Catherine does around our house. Work, 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 all day long, seven days a week. Standing over a hot stove all day, cooking meals, mending clothes, getting me off to work on time, keeping the place tidy. You know something, Oz? I'm going in the house and tell Catherine to stop this grind and get out for a little fun. I'll see you later. Oh. What's the matter, Thorny? I just remembered. Catherine's not home. She's out playing bridge somewhere. Hi, Pa.
3: Hi,
12: Pa. Uh, hello, boys. Uh, Ricky, are those your books on the hall stairs?
11: Yes, they are. Well,
12: take them upstairs, will you, please? Okay. As a matter of fact, fellows, from now on, we're going to be a little more careful about keeping things neat around here. Are
11: we going to have company?
12: No, no. It has nothing to do with company. It says that we've got to start showing a little consideration for your mother. I just went upstairs and there was a towel lying right in the middle of the bathroom floor. Somebody just thrown it down.
11: Wasn't me, Pop. Wasn't me. I haven't washed my hands for a couple of days. (laughs) I'm
12: going to start making some new rules around here. No more lounging on the sofa with our feet propped up on a chair. No more throwing banana peels in the fireplace. No more rope twirling in here and no more pillow fights in the bedroom.
15: Is this how it is when you're
12: in jail, Pop? <laughs> no, Ricky, this is how it is when you're part of a well-organized family. We're going to help your mother keep our house well-organized. No more wrestling in the living room. No more tossing the football in the house. No more sliding down the banister. And no more shooting firecrackers in the cellar.
11: Holy smoke.
12: Look at this living room. You guys have been home about an hour and it looks like a mess. Let's start it right now by straightening up this room. Make it just as neat and clean as Mrs. Richardson's. Come on, we'll make a game of it.
15: Okay, come on, David. I'll be hobbling Cassidy and Pop's a cattle thief.
12: No, 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 not this time. I have a better game in mind. Let's make believe we're the Nelson Cleanup Commandos. I'll be the captain and you guys will be my troops.
11: You don't have to do that, Pop.
12: Well, I just thought the idea of a game would make it easier for you guys to live up to. Be a lot of fun, you and Ricky being the troops.
11: You don't have to make it a game, Pop.
12: Oh, okay, if you don't want to make it a game. But oh, let's get started anyway. Ready?
11: Sure. Okay, Pop.
12: Attention! Pop, we said you don't David, have to... did I give you an argument when you wanted to be cowboys? Now let's go. <laughs> Attention! Attention! <laughs>
10: is from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. Yes, it's an old familiar saying, but it's based on years and years of experience. Through the ages, historians have recorded proof that man never changes. Back in the old Roman Empire, there was Antony and Cleopatra. Antony? The hair in the milk bath, Cleo. Antony, I'm
13: getting tired of this. You always leave your things lying around. The trophy room's a mess. But baby. From now on, I want the place kept in order. But baby. I mean it. Starting today when you've finished your milk bath, don't leave the empty bottles in the tub.
10: (laughs) Even before Anthony and Cleopatra, back in the days of the caveman, woman was faced with the same problem. Here in the dinosaur room, Una.
13: (laughs) I'm disgusted. Look at this place. It looks like an absolute mess. But, baby. You ought to be ashamed. (laughs) Look at yourself, a full-grown man, four foot three. (laughs) I spend all day cleaning and now look at it. But, baby, what's wrong with it? This cave looks like a hole in the wall.
10: Even royal families have encountered this domestic conflict. In one particular case, I think the husband deserved the sympathy. The case of King Solomon.
15: So we're getting tired of this. We, we try and keep the palace clean, and you keep messing it up. Why can't you help us keep it tidy? Huh?
14: <laughs> but babies... <laughs>
10: Today, at 1847 Rogers Road, three sturdy souls have set forth to rectify this injustice. Now, with contented smiles and aching backs, they carefully seat themselves in the living room, which they've put in order. Not a spot, not a smudge, not a thing out of place. Yes, it's a pretty self-satisfied Ozzie, David, and Ricky that greet Harriet as she enters.
13: Oh, well, hello. So quiet, I didn't think anybody was in the house.
14: A home should be quiet, Harriet.
13: I'm wearing my wool pants because my
11: corduroys make too much noise when I walk around. (laughs) What happened to
12: the living room? It's so clean. The way a home should be.
13: Why don't you put your feet up on the footstool, dear?
12: No, no, Harriet. I'll just keep them flat on the floor. They look so much neater that way.
15: (laughs) David, why
13: don't you and Ricky play a game of cards or something instead of just sitting there like a couple of wooden Indians?
11: We didn't want to get out the card table, Mom. It might mess up the living room.
13: Oh, David, go ahead and get out the card table.
11: Giannis, Mom? Ah. Uh, No, thanks. I guess we'll just sit here like a couple of wooden Indians. I can't get over this house looking so
12: neat and clean. We've done a pretty good job, don't you think?
11: I ran the vacuum. I dusted.
12: I washed the windows. Look at that one, not a speck on it. So clean, it doesn't even look like it's there.
11: It isn't, Pop. I left it open.
13: <laughs>
12: oh, well, you better close it, David. We don't want a lot of dust blowing around in here. Where's Nick? Outside in the yard, where a dog is supposed to be, Harriet. We don't want him getting hair all over the rug and the furniture.
13: A well, little hair on the rug doesn't hurt anything. I haven't been that fussy.
12: The dog stays outside. He sheds a hair here. He sheds a hair there. He sheds a hair somewhere else. Pretty soon, what have you got? A bald dog.
3: <laughs> yes, and a rug
12: that has to go to the veterinarians to be clipped. The dog stays outside.
11: May we be excused? We have some homework to
12: do. All right, boys, but walk very carefully. I'll get it. Uh, would you please, Harriet? I'm going out to the garage and smoke my pipe a while. <laughs> Hello?
13: Hello,
15: Harriet. It's Mother. Hello, Mother matter, dear? You sound a little
13: strange. Well, I don't wonder. There are strange things going on around here.
15: Really? Something I should know about?
13: Oh, no, Mother, nothing important. In fact, it's a pleasure for a change.
15: Well, I hate to say this, Harriet, but you aren't making very much sense.
13: Well, I'm not trying to be mysterious. It's just that the whole thing is a little difficult to explain. Ozzie and I have been playing sort of a little game.
15: Oh, that's nice. Especially so near Valentine's. <laughs> Shall I call back later, dear?
13: Oh, no. No, he's out in the garage now.
3: <laughs>
15: Hiding?
13: No, Mother. No, we're not playing actual games. It's just that Ozzy's trying to teach me a lesson, and I won't give him a tumble. Oh,
15: well, be careful, dear. Mary Henderson threw out our sacroiliac, and she was Only playing charades
13: Uh, This is a different kind of a game I gave Ozzie a little lecture About messing up the house So now he and the boys Have started a cleanup campaign
3: Oh,
13: that sounds wonderful Well, yes, but they're carrying it To ridiculous extremes I think the idea is for me To beg them to get back to normal Well,
15: then why don't you do it, dear? Make them happy
13: No, I think I'll use A different approach You know the old saying There's more than one way To rope a steer
15: well, you do what you like, dear. You know I don't like to interfere. I'll I'll forget the whole thing. I won't even call to see how things work
13: out. All right, mother. But you be sure and call me. <laughs> okay, mother.
12: Goodbye. Oh, hi, Emmy
15: out here in the
12: garage? Uh, Mrs. Nelson's trying to keep the house clean, and and I get ashes on the carpet. Daddy says it keeps the moths away. Well, uh, maybe so, but the smoke curls up through the curtains, and I kind of like to lean back on the couch, and that crumples up the pillows.
13: (laughs) But my goodness, Mr. Nelson, the man has a right to be comfortable in his own home.
12: Well, after all, this garage is part of our home, and... You'd be surprised. It's it's not too uncomfortable lying here on the concrete.
13: <laughs> oh,
12: what does Mrs. Nelson think of all this? Oh, as a matter of fact, she started the whole idea. Frankly, Amy Lou, she was getting pretty darn sick and tired of cleaning up the house, only to have us come along and mess it all up, she said.
13: Do you want my opinion, Mr. Nelson? I think this whole thing is a dangerous threat to your home and happiness. I don't see how. Huh? I read a book once where a woman became obsessed with keeping her house clean. It was awful. She worked from morning till night cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. It began affecting her. She began to change in appearance. Her
15: neck grew longer. She wore an old black smock. Her feet grew together. And at the end of the book, she wasn't a woman any longer. She was a vacuum cleaner. <laughs>
12: What a, what a terrifying story.
15: Yes. Imagine taking a vacuum cleaner
11: to a dam.
12: Yes, the suction would keep untying your shoes.
11: You've got to
13: save her, Mr. Nelson. Go in there, take a stand, mess up the house.
12: Maybe you're right.
13: Sure, you're not a mouse. Take the bull by the horns.
11: Sure, you're a lion, not a lamb. You've been the goat long enough.
12: No wonder the house is a mess. All those animals in <laughs>
11: The hall
12: table. Yes, I know I did. Uh, where are your coats, boys? In the hall closet. The hall closet? Throw them on the Davenport where they belong. <laughs>
11: oh, boy. I was being tired of being
12: cleaned. No, too. it's not that, boys. Not exactly. I'm doing it for your mother. See, it's dangerous to have a house that's too neat. It can do things to you, it can change your appearance. Ricky, don't pucker up your lips like that. You look like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Pop. Simply this. We're going to change this antiseptic tomb we've been living in back to a comfortable home. We'll start. Yes, we'll start by dropping this potted ivy right on the floor. <laughs>
11: Gee, Pop,
12: that'll make an
11: awful mess. What'll
12: Mom say? Oh, she'll probably rant and rave for a few minutes, fly off the handle. We can't help that. It's for her own good. Now, where's a good spot? Mm hmm. Uh, here, uh, David. Take this and drop it right over there on the floor.
11: Me? Oh, no, Pop. Why don't you do it?
12: I have an idea. Ricky, you're closer to the floor. Maybe if you dropped it... Ricky? Ricky? Where did Ricky go, David? David? Hmm. Maybe it might have the same general effect if I just messed up a few pillows. After all, I... (coughs) My potted ivy all over the floor But baby I, I mean uh, <laughs> Harriet, honestly, I, I don't know how it happened I was standing here with the potted ivy in my hands And all of a sudden something yanked my feet And, and down I went Oh, well, here, I'll give you a hand Hey, what's this? Well, no wonder I fell down Somebody lassoed me
13: Yeah, for a minute I thought I was going to miss you
12: You mean you deliberately lassoed me and and made all the mess? Now, don't be angry with me, dear But I don't understand I thought you liked the house like Mrs. Richardson's Well, not quite, dear
13: Not after talking to Mr. Richardson In fact, I got the lasso idea from him From Mr.
12: Richardson? Uh Uh-huh
13: I went over there to return a magazine I'd borrowed And there was Mr. Richardson A big smile on his face Stretched out on the couch, smoking his pipe His feet up on the radio phonograph Just having a wonderful time
12: For goodness sakes, where was Mrs. Richardson?
13: Tied up on the back porch.
12: (laughs) Harriet. Harriet, are you awake?
13: Just about. What's the matter?
12: Something's been preying on my mind for hours. Where did you learn to use a lasso? Go to sleep. (laughs) Fine chance with this thing running through my brain. What's running through your brain? The thought of you and that lasso. You're too good with it. I keep thinking back to our wedding day. What about it? Tell me the truth. Was I roped in?
3: (laughs)
10: again next week to another adventure of Ozzie and Harriet starring Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. And remember,
13: America's finest silver plate is 1847 Rogers
10: Brothers. Yes, Harriet, America's
12: finest silver plate is 1847 Rogers Brothers.
10: Appearing in support of Ozzie and Harriet were John Brown, Tommy Bernard, Henry Blair, Janet Waldo, Lorene Tuttle, and Marvin Miller. Original music was composed and conducted by Billy May. This program originates in the Hollywood studios of the National Broadcasting Company and is also broadcast over the Trans-Canada network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This adventure of Ozzie and Harriet will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. How much will $10 buy today? Well, for one thing, a 22-and-a-half-pound care food package for any individual or group in 11 countries in Europe and in Japan, Korea, and Okinawa. It will feed a starving baby for the first three months of his life. It will buy enough all-wool material to make a full suit for an adult man. It will buy two all-wool blankets to keep the cold of winter and despair from a shivering heart. Ten dollars buys a lot. So send your check today to CARE, New York City, New York. In Canada, address CARE at 193 Spark Street,
1: Ottawa. This is Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Six Shooter, followed by The Life of Riley. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.